Okay, good morning, Boker Tov. As always, we want to express our gratitude. As always, we want to express our gratitude to the sponsors of the Munashir, Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbin, in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer. Tremendously grateful to them for their generosity and sponsorship. Take a moment also. If you are not a BRS member, I'm not going to embarrass you and ask you to raise your hand. If you're sitting at home watching or listening live or later, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Well, if you're alone, you could raise your hand. If you're not a BRS member, but you benefit, you enjoy, you show up, you're drinking coffee, you're listening to Torah, your life is enriched by our living with Amunah or anything else we do, you have to do your part. You have to say thank you. You have to contribute. You have to enable and empower us to continue to share more. So we're not going to begin until you take out your phone. I'm just joking. We're going to begin. But take out your phone, brsonline.org global, brsonline.org global, and you have to do your part. How could you live with yourself and benefit and enjoy and not give or contribute and not do your part? So please give to our global campaign. Please be part. The sooner you give, the sooner we hit our goal. We're at 15%. The sooner we hit our goal, the less you have to hear about it from me. So that's an incentive. I don't know what is, but please do your part so that we can contribute to share and spread Torah far and wide. Got a few Amuna emails I want to share with you this morning. Beautiful stories of living with Amuna. We'll start with my friend from Chicago. I'm writing to you from Chicago where I arrived late last night for industry meetings. My morning routine is always to work out before I start my day. Did I read this one last week? When I'm out of town, I follow workout videos on YouTube. This morning was no different. When I clicked on YouTube, one of the first videos I was offered up was living with Amuna. I correctly decided that my workout could wait. I have that effect on people. <laughs> so I tuned into your live sheer. A few minutes after I joined, you began speaking about a 92-year-old rabbi and the remarkable fact that he had all of his natural teeth. Remember we talked about that last week? Rabbi Victor Miller, who thanked Hashem, he looked in the mirror, counted his teeth, and thanked Hashem every day for his teeth. And the dentist attributed his having all of his teeth for that gratitude. You asked how many of us knew how many teeth we have. And that this rabbi counted his teeth every day, thanked Hashem for them. And that is why even at his age, he retained his natural de den dentition. New word. <laughs> the answer to the question is 32. Why do I know that? Because the industry that I work in is the dental industry. I have the incredible privilege and bracha to run our family's fourth generation dental business, where we develop, manufacture, and distribute innovative consumables for the oral health professionals around the world. Basically, the things your dentist and hygienist use in your mouth. I continue to learn that there are no coincidences. How is it I decided to tune into the shear when I had to work and workouts to do? How is it when I did at the very moment you were speaking about teeth and oral health? There can only be one answer, and that is Hashem. Thank you for starting my day with a smile, with Amuna and the lessons of learning and leadership. That was one great email, just in time. Hashkacha Pratas, she tuned in and didn't do a workout. Hashkacha. Wow, that's great. Next one's another great one. Another young man. The best part is I don't know the people who send me these emails but I want you to keep sending them because they're remarkable illustrations and examples of applying what we're learning. Every week we say the same exact thing. This is Hashem, He's involved in our life. Nothing's a coincidence. It's all by design. It's all from above. It's all from Him. And these are illustrations of putting that into practice, seeing and feeling and recording in your Hashkacha WhatsApp group. I forgot to post last week the group that has 900 people that began as a result of our shear. I have to post it for those who want to join. But here's another great example, then we'll dive into the Torah. Today I had to go to the bank in the morning by breakfast. I wanted to be back in yeshiva. You knew that when you say bank in the morning by breakfast, 
and wanted to be back in yeshiva, that it would be yeshiva, for when Seder started. So during Shachar, so I was thinking to myself, I should leave a little early from Davin, and I could get back in time for Seder. I went back and forth with myself, but in the end, I decided to stay until the end. If Hashem wanted me to come back on time, that's what would happen. In other words, he was grappling, should I leave davening early so I can get to the bank and make it back for Seder? Or do I stay till the end of davening? And if Hashem wants me to be back in time for learning, I'll be back in time. After I finished praying and wrapping my tefillin and talis, I quickly went to my room to gather my things and I headed off to the buses. Once I was on the street where the bus picked me up, I saw one of the buses I could take by and I said, I won't chase it down. If I was meant to be on it, I would get on. There are four buses I could have taken, so I wouldn't be waiting long anyway. As I continued walking down the street, I saw two more buses going down the street, and I didn't see the fourth one coming anytime soon. So I decided I would run to catch one of those buses. I wasn't running out of nervousness, but rather I wanted to have a faster trip so I could resume learning as soon as possible. When I reached the third bus after a quick sprint, the driver wouldn't open the door and ended up leaving. I did my best to not be bothered by it, and I said to myself, if that's what Hashem decided, that's for the best. If he was meant to get on the bus, the bus driver would have let him. So the bus driver slammed the door in his face. Clearly, Hashem did not want him to be on that bus. Eight minutes later, I was on the fourth bus, and on my way to the bank. Around halfway through the trip, I saw multiple ambulances and police vehicles flying up the street with lights and sirens. As we went forward in heavy traffic and commotion, I saw there was a bus in the middle of the road with a completely shattered windshield, and all the ambulances were surrounding it. Behind the bus with the shattered windshield were two other buses that were stuck, all three of which were the ones I could have or would have taken. Not only that, the people on those buses were taken off the bus and weren't let onto my bus because we had to take a detour to continue on the bus's route. I go to the bank shortly after and I got back to Yeshiva only 15 minutes late. Who knows how long it would have taken otherwise. There are multiple points of Ashkacha Pratis in this story. If I would have left Shachras early, I would have been on that first bus and God forbid might have gotten hurt. Second is if I had made the bus that I ran after, I would have been stuck and taken off the bus and would have been delayed much longer. And Muna is not knowing what the future holds, but knowing who holds the future. It's a great line. And I don't know who he is or if he's single or how you can introduce him to your granddaughter. I don't know, but he's a, he's a good chap. Amuna's not knowing what the future holds, but knowing who holds the future. Thank you, Hashem. Then he writes another text to me he wrote a little while later. A few days later, I was flipping through my little notebook where I write ideas and questions I come up with and I saw that on Zos Hanukkah, on the eighth day of Hanukkah, I wrote, quote, I heard of Gamliel, who we're learning, says on Zos Hanukkah, you should write down a Kabbalah you want to work on, and Hashem will give you extra siyata deshmaya. I believe Neder will work on not leaving early from Minyan. He said, and I totally forgot about it. So here, what led to his Ashkacha Pratis, that he didn't leave early from Minyan, that was the Kabbalah he made, and who inspired him to make it? What we're learning, Rav Gamliel, Tifa Amuna, not leaving early from Minyan, kept him from going on one of those 33 buses, he didn't get hurt, and he made it back more or less on time for his learning. All hashkacha pratis. Thank you, Hashem. And Muna's not knowing what the future holds, but knowing who holds your future. I changed it. He has the future, but who holds your future? Such a beautiful, beautiful thought. So if you're listening, watching, and you've gone online to brsonline.org global, and you've made your contribution, now send me a text or an email with a great Amuna story. We love to continue to share them. And that's really the story of Purim. Today's Zion Adar, seventh of Adar. Haman thought an inauspicious day on our calendar, the day Moshe died. That was the day he was going to exterminate the Jewish people. He forgot it was also Moshe's birthday. An inauspicious day on our calendar, new beginnings and a fresh start. And the Avanavim, the father, the greatest of all the prophets, would give us the Torah Kedosha, the Torah Chaim, the timeless Torah that would inspire and inform and elevate and enrich our lives in such meaning and such beautiful ways. So Purim is coming up next week. This is Pasha Zachar, this Shabbos. And the Gemara tells us, the Mishnah tells us that one of the rules of Purim is, Hakore lemafreya 
if you read the Megillah backwards. If you read it backwards. Why would you want to do that? I don't know. You read the Megillah backwards. So maybe that means you read the 10th parak, then the 9th parak, then the 8th parak, then the 7th parak. Each pasuk, you read the words out of order backwards. However you understand it. Lema backwards. Lo yatsa. You're not yotzei. You're not yotzei if you read it backwards. But there's a beautiful teaching from the Sar Shalom of Bells. Sar Shalom of Bells says, Hakore lemafreya lo yatsa doesn't mean that you read it backwards. But it means lemafreya means if you think that Megillah, that Purim, is only a holiday that happened thousands of years ago, lemafreya, you read the Megillah as if it's an ancient, outdated, old, expired story, you've not been yotzei reading the Megillah. The Megillah is a modern story. It is a contemporary story. It is the story of your and my lives. It is the story of finding Hashem even when He feels hidden. It is Megillah's Esther being Megala the Nister, revealing His hiddenness. Shem doesn't appear anywhere in the Megillah, His name. And yet, every time we read and we proclaim the name Hamelech, that's Hashem showing His hand. And similarly in our lives, sometimes, most often, for almost all, Hashem doesn't explicitly reveal Himself. He doesn't announce, I'm here. He doesn't suspend the rules of nature and make a miracle. He doesn't explicitly appear, but we have to read it into our lives. Megillah Sester, Megillah the Nister, we have to reveal that hiddenness, Adar Aleph Aluf Dar, Hashem dwells. Amalek, Amalek was the gematria of Suffolk, Amalek who introduces us to doubt and uncertainty. Who says there's a Hashem? Who says that what's happening is really Him? Maybe it's a string of coincidences. Maybe you happened to turn on the workout video, living with Amuna came instead, and talking about teeth. You're at a dental conference. Ah, it's just chance. It's just random. Maybe you stayed in Minyan, you missed three buses, that you would have gotten delayed. You made the fourth. That was your Kabbalah after all, all along. Ah, it's coincidence, random chance. Maybe, maybe not. Our job, Amalek says, it's Suffolk, it's doubt, it's uncertainty. It's unlikely, it's random, it's chance. But we have to destroy Amalek. That's this week's parsha, Zachar. You have to destroy, you have to eliminate, you have to erase Amalek. You have to remember the danger of Amalek, the danger of living with Suffolk, doubt, and uncertainty. And we have to eliminate and purge him from our mentality and from our, and from our mind. What does Amalek want to do? He wants case kai. He tried to destroy God from sitting case is kisei, his chair, his throne. What's missing from the word kisei? Case ka, aleph. The Aleph is the one and only, the unique and singular Hashem, the Aluf, the master of the universe. So we replace that Aleph. Amalek removes the Aleph from Kisei, Kese Ka, and we put the Aleph back. How do we put the Aleph back? Adar, Aluf Dar, by giving Hashem a dwelling place. Dar means to live. Kodesh Baruch was Dira Betachtonim. We try to give him a dwelling place down here on earth. He doesn't just live on high. Hashem is not theoretical. He's not abstract. He's not academic. He's in our lives. He's when we miss a bus and catch a bus. He's what comes up when we turn on YouTube. He's in every aspect of our daily lives. Aleph dar, adar. When you live with adar, mishenichnas, when you enter a state, a mindset of adar, of aluf dar, of adding the aleph back onto the kisei, then marbim besimcha. Now your life is filled with joy. You miss buses, you say, can't wait to see where this adventure leads. Not I'm annoyed and I'm frustrated and I can't believe it and how could I miss those buses? So that's where I was meant to be. I was meant to not be on those buses. I can't wait to see why and how this turns out. You live life, aluf dar. You give a Baruch Hu betachtonim. We give him a dwelling place down here on earth. Down here on earth, that's up to us. He can't impose and he can't force himself. We have to invite him. 
We have to reveal him. We have to be Megala the Nister, Megillah Esther. We have to reveal his hiddenness. We have to write him into our Megillah. We have to proclaim Hamelech. So we clap and we bang at Haman and we cheer inside or externally at Hamelech. Hamelech, the king is all around us. The king is all around us and he's waiting and looking for us to see and to acknowledge him and to submit and surrender to him and to give him a dir betachtonim, to give him a dwelling place down here. That's what we're reading in the Parshish last week and this week. Truma tetzava v'yasuli mikdash v'shachanti b'socham. Hashem says, make for me a mikdash and I'll dwell in them. It should say in it. Why in them? How does he dwell here on earth? In us. Hashem reveals himself in us. When we say, Baruch Hashem, Amir Hashem, Chastai Hashem, Be'ezras Hashem, please God, thank God, if God wills, when we use his name, when we acknowledge him, when we defer to him, when we thank him, when we protest him, when we talk about him, we're giving him a dwelling place here on earth. And when he's invisible, and he's never mentioned, and he's erased from our lives, then he only lives on high. We are the ones who reveal him. Aluf dar, adar dira betachtonim, the aleph of kisei, case ka, we put the aleph back in kisei, and we eliminate Amalek, who wants to introduce suffix doubt, because we live with certainty. We have no doubt. I'm certain that what happens, happens for a reason and a purpose. I'm certain my life, my life has meaning and order. I'm certain that he has a master plan, even when it's difficult and painful, but it's all part of his plan. It's all orchestrated from above. That's what we're trying to do by living with Emuna. We're living with Emuna. Emuna is not a cop-out. Emuna is not opium of the masses. Emuna is not just a drug that we use to get through the day. Emuna is emes. It's the truth. There is a God. He created the world. He's intimately involved in our lives. And that's the holiday of Purim, that everything happens from Him. It's all from Him. It's all orchestrated. The picture comes together. Sometimes, like the story of Purim, you get to the end of Megillah, and you can read it and see how He revealed His hand how nothing was a coincidence, that Mordechai overheard the plot to kill the king, that Esther won and she was the prettiest woman and chosen to be Ahasuerus's wife. All these seeming coincidences and chance were a string of events that were ordained from above. And the same is true with our life. Nothing's random or chance, it's all ordained from above. And that is our mission during this time and during these days. Back in Tiva Emuna of Gamnir Rabinovich. We were learning Shema, the mitzvah of Avas Hashem, and he taught us something so powerful. Just like if you try to say, Shema, you're not wearing tefillin. It's a lie. You're a fraud. It's not true. How could you say, How could you say that you have to wear tefillin, you're not wearing tefillin? What else do we say in Shema? You have to love Hashem. And if you don't love Hashem, then you're not in earnest. You're not sincerely or authentically saying Shema. And we left off last time that we have to love Hashem. What are we reciprocating to Him? His love for us. That notion, God loves you, God loves us. It is not a non-Jewish concept. It's not a Christian concept. They stole it from us. Hashem loves us. Hashem loves you and He loves me and He loves all of us. And that is the essence of Torah, that we have Avinu Sheba Shemayim, we have a Father in Heaven and He never gives up on us, no matter how far we are. We have the Parsha right after this. If you're here in person or watching or listening online, I hope you stay at 9.30. For the Parsha I'll give you a preview. It says that the Kohen would wear, Kohen Gadol wore, the Me'il had bells on the bottom. Nishma Kolo, it would hear the sound when he walked in. There are three places you hear that word Nishma appears in the Torah. Hearing the sounds here, and Nasa V'Nishma, and the third place Nishma, 
why those three places. We'll get to a beautiful insight of the Gera Rosh Hashiva. Sometimes Hashem hears you when you're up close to Him, but Hashem hears us even when we're far away. When we feel we're distant and we failed, even when we have disobeyed, HaKadosh Baruch Hu still hears our pleas, He hears our call. If you have a child who's disappointed you, if you have a child who's been disobedient to you, if you have a child who's not listening, but they come to you and they say, I need your help now. I want you, I long for you, I want to be connected to you. Would you say, no, because you didn't clean your room when I asked you to? No, because you don't call often enough, so now I'm not taking your call. I don't know such a parent. No matter what a child does, no matter how distant they are, you crave, you crave their connection. And when they reach out and they want to connect, you welcome it. It doesn't mean you don't have things you have to work through or reconcile, important conversations that have to be had, but you long for that relationship. And Avid Shavashamayim, our Father in Heaven, He craves and He wants and He longs for that relationship with us. It doesn't mean that we're not accountable for decisions we've made, choices that we've expressed, but He wants that connection. We're never so far away. We'll get into this more shortly in the passage here. But why is that? Because He's not just a scary king, a scary employer. He's not just a scary master in Heaven. He's Avinu Shabashamayim. He's our Father. He's our Father and He loves us. He loves us. We need to know that. Our children need to know that. No matter how far we've fallen, no matter how distant we've become, no matter how much we think we've disappointed Him, He never gave up on us. He never gives up on us. He believes in us. Rabba Emuna Secha, His faith, His belief in us is great. He believes in us. He loves us and He's waiting for us. Over and over again, the Pesukim tell us, Hashem loves us. He loves us. Feel His hug. Feel His love. You walk outside. I don't know, my, my daughter in New Jersey, school was canceled today. The snow is falling. You've got many inches. I don't mean to rub it in your face. But you walk outside here in Boca Raton today, and you feel the rays of sun on your neck. And you feel the cool wind, I would say in your hair, but not all of us are so lucky. You can feel the cool wind. And I don't, there's no better feeling. But we're always in a rush, or we're running, or we're scrolling, or we're looking down, or our thumbs are working, so we don't even notice. Hashem is like, hi, here, I'm giving you a hug. I'm giving you some love. You feel that warmth on your neck of the sun while you feel the cool air of a cool day? That's me. I love you. That warmth, that vitamin D, that's me. Just stop and put your phone away and look around and close your eyes and take a deep breath and restore your soul and feel my love, feel my affection, feel my warmth. You ever need a hug? You ever near someone who needs a hug? A hug, sometimes there's no words, it's the embrace. It's just the hug, someone needs a hug. We need a hug, we need that connection, that energy exchange. Kirsch Baruch on a day like today in South Florida, He's giving you a hug. So you walk by somebody, your parent or your child says, can I have a hug? You say, yeah, whatever. You walk right by them. Kirsch Baruch is like, hi, I'm enveloping you. I want to give you a hug. And we're looking down and we're scrolling and we're distracted and we're not... Just feel that hug, receive that hug. Give that hug, reciprocate that hug because he loves us. V'yadu b'shem ha'ba'ashem tov. On the bottom of page Ayin Hay, 75. It's known in the name of the Ba'ashem Tov, the Helig Ba'ashem. Hashem 
the entire notion the Bashamta said of love, the entire feeling of love, the institution of love, what is love? The definition of love is uh, hours and hours of conversation in its own right. But love is not an adjective. Love is not an emotion. Love is not a feeling. Those all do an injustice and a disservice to the notion of love. Love is not an adjective. Love, if anything, is a verb. You don't feel love, you exhibit love. You act lovingly. You perform love, acts of love. You love. You don't feel love. And in fact, that's the order. You don't wait to feel love and then act. If you act lovingly, you will feel love. That's why Rav Desla writes, we, re- we love when we re- give, not when we receive. Children love parents more. Parents rather love children more than children could ever love parents. Because parents give and children receive, certainly at the beginning of life. So love is the result of giving, not the result of receiving. And love is not an adjective, it's not an emotion, it's not a feeling. Love is a verb, it's an act, it's something we do. Love is an existential connection and bond. So when you say, I love pizza, or I love Chinese food, or I love sushi, you're describing your existential bond, your soulful connection with a food. So you like those foods, you don't love them. You like them. You love, (coughs) hopefully, your spouse, your children, Hashem. That's love. That's love. Love is something bigger and greater. So every feeling of love, we just said it's not a feeling, but what we call or describe as a feeling was all designed as a metaphor for the most authentic love, and that is the love of Hashem for us and our love for Him. I don't know how to fulfill loving Hashem. Oh, now I have a child. Now I know what it means that Hashem loves me. Now I know. I've said this before, that you know, I've told my children when they say I love you, I say, you think you love me. You have no idea what love is. The love I have for you, that's love. What you have for me is also love, but it's not love. But when you'll have a child, when you'll have a child, then they'll be your everything. And you take a bullet, you give your life for theirs. And you wake up in the middle of the night and just stare at them. When they're a little baby, you want to make sure they're okay. When they're a little older, you can't believe they're here and they're yours. And when they give you nachas in that moment, there's just, you swell with a pride and a joy, like you won the lottery, bigger than anything in the world. Those who don't know those feelings should be blessed to have healthy children, children who give them nachas. We give everyone the biggest bracha. Give the biggest bracha. But that's the greatest. It's the greatest. So that's real love. When you have a child, you know what love is. You know what love is. And why did Hashem create that relationship and that connection and that possibility? Because now we know what Hashem feels for us. When we give Him nachas, when we give Him pride and pleasure, now we know His unconditional love for us as our Father. Now we understand love because when we have children, we are children, so we know the perspective of the love of a child for a parent, what we're meant to feel for him. <coughs> and those who merit to be parents know the love of a parent to know what Hashem feels for us. And said the Baal Shem, both of those aspects or dimensions, both of those directions of love are only there as metaphors for what we feel for him and he feels for us. The what do we have? We have all the other loves. Hashem, love of Hashem. When's the last time you thought about loving Hashem? It's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah d'oraisa. Talking to in person and online, local and our global, did I mention the global community? 
If you benefit and you enjoy, if you like the content, what you read, what you watch, what you listen to, shiurim, panel discussions, articles, how can you go to sleep at night and not do your part and give something? BRSonline.org slash global. Yes, you're going to keep hearing it. I'm sorry you don't like it. Cough it up and then you don't have to hear it anymore. So whether you're in person or you're part of our Baruch Hashem cherished, cherished global community, we're scrupulous and vigilant about mitzvahs. We wouldn't turn the light on or get in a car on Shabbos, make a bracha before we eat. We're careful to put on talis and tefillin. We light the candles. We're going to observe the mitzvahs of Purim. And we don't think that loving Hashem, we don't think of it in that context. It's one of the taryag. There is a biblical commandment, a Torah mitzvah. You have to love Hashem. It's as real, it's as binding. We are accountable, as accountable, for that mitzvah of loving Hashem as we are for other mitzvahs. We have an obligation and a mitzvah to love Hashem. So, who here has not yet thought of Mishloach Manos? What's the theme? What are you making? How many do you have to make? Who are you going to give to? Did you make your list? You thought a lot about that mitzvah already, no? I'm going to scare everybody. Who here has not yet thought about Pesach? <laughs> Shatzer, there's no Shatzer matzah. Other matzah is more expensive. Where are you going to get the matzah? The Costco matzah. It's cheaper, but it tastes like cardboard. Where are you going to go? No offense, Costco. We've thought about Pesach, right? No? You thought about mitzvahs. We put a lot of thought and planning and spend resources on mitzvahs. When is the last time you thought or planned, strategized for the mitzvah of loving Hashem? Hashem, I want to love you. Let me think about that. What does that mean? What does that look like? When is the last time I did it? When is the next time I can do it? How would I fulfill that? What is the mitzvah to love you? When is the last time we thought about it? There is a mitzvah to love Hashem. And if we say Shema and we don't, and we don't do it, then we don't mean it. Then we don't mean it. And you know, there are a few things that are worth less than hearing I love you and the person doesn't mean it. You got to mean it. It's got to be real. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be genuine. And a person has to have self-awareness, self-reflection, introspection. We know what love is in the physical world, right? We know what love is. If someone says, we're going to your favorite restaurant for dinner, we're going to order your favorite foods and favorite wine, you look forward to that because you know what it means to love food and wine. We're going to your favorite place. You're getting together with your enaklach, your children. You know what it means to love your grandchildren, your children. You know what that means too. You know what that means too. Jack Azar just lost his sister. I think she was, not Kananahar, she just lost her. She was 98. She had great, great grandchildren. Not one, but several. We know what love means. You're going to spend time with children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, Baruch Hashem, in our time. We know what it means to love, to look forward. You'll hear people say, I just got a new car. My Tesla, I love it. I can't live without it. I love it. I love it. So we know what it means to love Gashmias. We know what it means to love material or physical things. To love, to love the physical things. Do we know what it means to love Hashem? Do we apply that same love? And here's the test, says Rav Gamliel. If you had a choice of loving one, which would you take? You could spend time and bask in the light and the glory and the love and the embrace and the intimacy of Hashem, but you got to give up the Tesla. You got to give up your favorite food. You got to give up your favorite things, your favorite people, your favorite places. 
but you could be and bask in the glory, the light, the embrace, the love of Hashem. Or would you say, Hashem, I'll get to you later. First, let me go out for dinner to my favorite restaurant. Let me spend time with my favorite people. Let me drive my favorite car. Let me wear my favorite outfit. Let me do my favorite things. Which would you trade for which? That tells you what you really love. Every day we say Shema, when we go to sleep and when we wake up, and every day we are challenging ourselves, do we really love Hashem? You take a bullet for your child, no? You jump in front of a car for your child? No? What about for Hashem? What sacrifice are you willing to make for Him? What bullet do you take for Him? What compromise are you willing to make for Him? That's love. Love is compromise and sacrifice. Love is having milchiks for dinner when you want fleshiks. That's love. That's love. The verb, love. That's love. Love me less and pick me up from the airport. That's love. Don't talk about love. Show me love. That's love. So what love are we willing to show Hashem? I really, I really want to sleep in, but do I wake up to daven? I really have juicy lashonar and gossip I want to share, but Hashem wants me to be a type of person who can't gossip. I really love my money and I want to keep it all for myself, but I love the global BRS community and I want to support <laughs> what it does. I love food, but I have to keep kosher. That's what Hashem wants. I love to eat now, but you have to make a bracha. I love, but I have to wait between flesh, whatever the example is. What do you do for love? I love dressing or looking this way, but there are rules of modesty that I want to carry and practice and I want to present myself in a certain way. Do we love Hashem? Because love is a verb. Love is not an emotion or a feeling. Love is not an adjective. Do we express, do we show, do we show that we love Him? Now, the greatest way you can show love is time. You, you, can't, you can claim to love someone, but if you, don't, if you don't allocate any time to be with them, if you're not focused while you're with them, you don't really love them. And the same is true with the Ribbon Shalom. And here we come back to Purim, Parsha Zachor, Zayin Adar, Parsha Tetzaveh. Do we love Hashem? Do we make time? Do we give him a dira betachtonim? Do we talk to him? Do we spend time in conversation with him? this. Are we in conversation with him? Are we, in con are we talking to him? Filling him in, objecting, protesting, thanking, asking. The content of the conversation is up to you and it changes every day because we are different every day, every moment of every day. Are we in conversation with him? Do we take a few moments to talk to him? Submit, surrender, thank, object, ask. Do we make time for him? If we don't make time for him, we don't really love him. So Chevra, when we say every day, Shema, V'yahavta es Hashem Elokecha, we have an obligation to love, and we pledge and promise we will love. What does that love look like? When is the last time we've loved? How does that love compare to other things that we love? Like our favorite food and our favorite car and our favorite outfit. And are we willing to sacrifice and compromise? Do we make that time? Do we express that love for Him? Do we give Him a dira betachtonim? Do we see that even when we miss those first three buses, that wasn't by accident. That was Hashem shining love on us. When it works out and when it doesn't work out. When it's for good and when it's for bad. When it's pleasurable or when it's painful. It's all from Him above. Do we pause on a magnificent day outside where there's not a cloud in the sky, there's cool air, and there's the warmth of the sun 
on the back of your neck and you say, that's you. Take a deep breath. With every breath I see and I feel you, Hashem, every breath in my lungs, I affirm my soul is connected to its source, which is you, and I feel your hug. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel and I love you, and that worked out amazingly, and I feel your love, and I reciprocate it, and I reciprocate it. 9.30, continue with Parsha. Everyone's invited to stay and to join. If you're watching online, you can go to the other link and join us. If you've not yet, in all seriousness, please go to brsonline.org global and do your part. Stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.